out of Matthew 7, 7 to 11, but before we do, I'm going to let Jesus read it for us. Amen? So go ahead. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Amen. There it is. Now read it with me, would you? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, <clears throat> how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better listen. God wants to bless you. Well, I so appreciate that, Gordon. That was an inspiration. I hope I'm playing a saw when I'm 92. Amen. Isn't that encouraging? And uh, thank you, Mom, for bringing Gordon and the whole crew. Uh, Margaret. And all right, God bless you, ladies. Now, we're going through the talk on the hill, and we've got one left next Sunday, and then we're going to be done. But I got to tell you, I love the teachings of Jesus. I love what Jesus had to say. Jesus is the greatest teacher to ever walk the planet, He's the greatest philosopher, the greatest thinker, the most profound mind, the most brilliant person. Whoever walked the earth. So how can you say that? I can say that because he created brilliance. He created the mind. He created you. All things were made by and through and for him. And that's what the Bible says. So our, our thinking of Jesus needs to expand. We need to think more about him. I want to make Jesus famous again. I don't want him to be infamous. I want him to be famous again. And so we're going to preach Jesus, teach Jesus, witness Jesus, and minister Jesus to people. How many of you today can say, I need Jesus? Well, that's kind of convincing. I'm going to try that again. How many of you can say, I need Jesus? 
I need him in my marriage, need him in my home, need him in my finances, need him to guide me, to lead me, to bless me. I need his peace. I need Jesus. Now, we've been going through the talk on the hill, which is Jesus' uh, masterpiece. He went up on the Mount of Olives and he began to teach and he taught his disciples. These were not just the crowd. These were his disciples. Those who were following him had left everything to go with him. Those who had said, you're worth my job, you're worth my future, you're worth everything that I have done, you are worth my life, I'm going to follow you. These were genuine disciples, and it says he sat down and taught his disciples, saying, and we've seen that beginning with anger, the anger problem, he went all the way through every major issue and affliction and malady known to mankind, and he began to teach us how to handle life as God had made it. This was teaching for kingdom people, people who had stepped into the kingdom of God and wanted to know, now that I'm in the kingdom of God, now that I'm a part of the kingdom of God, how do I live this? How do I walk in this? How do I live it? And Jesus taught. Now he said, as we just heard from the actors and we just heard from the word itself, he said, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you will find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks will find, and to him who knocks it shall be open. And I shared with you last time that the primary application of that or the first application of that has to do with human relationships. Jesus is teaching us starting at Matthew 7, verse 1, that condemning, criticizing, blaming, and pushing your faith or forcing your faith on people will not change them. How many of you have found that to be true? Forcing your faith, blaming people, condemning people, criticizing people, hoping to change them, it doesn't change them, but the very people you're trying to reach are pushed away by the criticism, by the blame, and by what you're putting on them, by, by pushing your pearls on them. And Jesus taught that what does work is love, respect, and patience with God in their life. Now, I'm going to say that again. Here's what changes people. Love and respect and patience with the timing of God in people's lives. He said that's what changes people. So you can forget trying to blame them into the kingdom or criticizing them into the kingdom or pushing your faith on them and forcing them into the kingdom. It won't work. Try it with your teenagers and come back and tell me how that went. Now the same attitude, keep this in mind, because Jesus is moving us in a progression, the same attitude of love, humility, and patience is the way that we are to approach God in prayer. That's the way we're to approach God, with love, with humility, and with patience. Jesus is now shifting the focus of our requests from people to God. See, if you love people and respect them and you wait on God's timing and you have an attitude towards them of love and respect, Jesus said, it can reach a place where they then trust you and you can look at them and say, would you allow me to help you? Would you allow me into your life? Would you allow me to play a part 
in changing you. And when you come at it that way, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks will find. And to him who knocks, it shall be open. And that is with people. Treat them with respect. Treat them with love. Treat them with patience. And see how they do not begin to open up their heart to you and open their trust to you and say to you, yes, I will allow you to speak into my life because I'm not feeling forced. I'm not feeling pushed. I'm not feeling blamed. I'm not feeling condemned. I'm not feeling criticized. But now he shifts it from the horizontal to the vertical and he says, now think about this. If a child asks his father for a loaf of bread, Will he instead give him a stone? And of course, the answer is never, unless the person is crazy. Never. All right, then he goes on. If he asks for a fish, will that mom or dad give that child a snake, a poisonous serpent? And of course, the answer is never. And Jesus said, if you then, being sinful, know how to give good gifts to your kiddos, to your children, how much more? Can everybody say it with me, how much more? How much more? Say it again. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, he takes it from us asking people Will you allow me in humility and in love and in respect, will you allow me to help you? Will you allow me to speak into your life? Will you allow me to introduce you to the kingdom of God? Now we're going from people to God. And he says, he says go to God knowing that God answers your requests. Now I see two things in Jesus' words that I want to pull out here. First of all, Jesus has given us clarity. Can you say with me clarity? Jesus has given us clarity. Clarity about what? Jesus wants us to know that God is not evil. God is not evil. Can you say with me, God is not evil? He wants us to know that God is not evil. He will not give us something bad if we have asked for something good. Only somebody evil will give you something bad if you ask them for something good. He's telling us something about God. He's telling us something about the nature of God that we need to understand. See, you're never going to get anywhere in prayer unless you believe something about God. What do you need to believe about God? You've got to believe that God is good. If you don't believe God is good, you're not going to believe that God's going to give you something good. So he says, I want you to understand that maybe in an extreme circumstance, a parent could give a child something evil when he's asked for something good, but only if they're not balanced. But he says, how much more will your father in heaven give what kind of things, everybody? Good things. Say it again. Good things to those who ask of him. Listen to what James tells us about the nature of God. But whatever is good and whatever is perfect comes to us from God. Whatever is good and whatever is perfect comes to us from the Father of lights. 
in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Can I tell you something about God? You know, that we got a song that says, nothing is impossible with God. That's not true. Something is impossible with God. And here's what it is. God cannot give you something bad. You know why? Because his very nature is to give good things to those who ask him. A good God, a loving God, a holy God cannot, will not, could not give you something bad. He says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no variableness neither shadow of change that means the same good God that gave us Jesus the same good God that answered your prayers 10 years ago the same good God who has carried the church all through the centuries all the way back to the beginning the same good God that flung the stars into space and created light and created the worlds that same good God has never changed. He's never changed. God gives good things. Can you say that with me? Preach it to me. Come on. God gives good things. God gives good things. If you say, oh God, I, I, I need provision. I need $500 or I'm, or I'm going under. God doesn't turn around and give you then a $500 debt. He doesn't give you something bad. If you say, Lord, I need to be saved, he doesn't take you then and throw you into hell. Our God only gives good things. He gives love. He gives forgiveness. His mercies are new every morning. He only does wondrous things. Our God is a good God, and he can't do anything else. God is good all the time. Jesus wants to clarify this to us. Our God, my heavenly Father, the one who sent me, gives good things to those who ask him. David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is bad. Oh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Is that what he said? He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is bad. Good. Blessed is the man that puts his trust in him. Jeremiah said, I know the thoughts. Now, God was speaking right through Jeremiah, and he says, I know the thoughts that I'm thinking towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a bright and a happy hope. I got news for you, friend. Some of you are struggling. Some of you listening by radio, you're struggling. And the enemy has come against you. And it looks like trouble is looming on the horizon. And you're wondering where God is. And you're wondering what God is up to. And maybe the enemy is even trying to tell you that God is not for you. That God is against you. That God has turned his back on you. And I came today to rebuke that from your mind. Because that is not what God said. God said... God said, I know what I'm thinking. 
I'm thinking thoughts towards you that are good thoughts. I want to see established on a rock. I want to see you blessed in your life. I'm thinking good thoughts. I want to see you successful. I want to see you victorious. I want to see you victorious over the enemy of your soul. I want to see you walking in loving relationships. I want to see you growing spiritually. I see a bright future for you. It's the destiny that I've got for you. And I want you to know I'm thinking good and I'm not thinking evil thoughts towards you. I'm going to give you a future and a happy hope. God says, I know what I'm thinking about you. And every thought that I think about you is a good thought. It's a positive thought. It is a, it is a wholesome thought. It is a blessing thought. After God created everything that he made, think about it. I don't go outside that I don't think about the beautiful creation of God. And God created everything, oceans, marine life, the animal kingdom, the stars, the galaxies, the atomic and molecular structures of matter. God created all of it. And the Bible says when he was done, he stepped back. And Genesis says, here's what God said. Then God saw everything he had made, and indeed it was very good. It was very good. Can you see with me that our God, the God of Jesus Christ, the God that Jesus represented, as a matter of fact, Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things that were made were made through Him, by Him, and for Him. That that God only does good things. He's good. When he looks at you, he says, I'm excited. I'm serious. He says, I'm excited because when I look at you, I think thoughts of good and of a future and of a hope. So good, so strong, so blessed that you're going to laugh over what I'm going to do. Now, what did he do with everything, all these good things that he made? Look, step back and looked at the world and the universe and the galaxies. And what did God do with all of this infinite amount of good? He gave it to us. He gave it to us. Listen to what the Bible says. Genesis 1:27 So God created human beings making them in his image. He blessed them. And here's what he said. Live all over the earth and bring it under control. I'm putting you in charge. It's yours. God created an infinite amount of incredible good. And then he said, "Here's why I did it. For you. For you." And I'm so appreciative of the creation of God. I've got a little bird feeder outside my bedroom window. I fill that thing every day. I want those little birdies to come and eat that seed right in front of me. And you know what I think when I see those birds, the cardinals, the doves, even the lowly sparrows, the finches, the blue jays, the bluebirds, you know what I think? God made them so I'd look at them and say, wow, praise God, isn't that beautiful? Come on, everybody. Paul told Timothy, he wrote to Timothy and said, let me tell you about God. God richly provides us with everything, with everything for our enjoyment. 
God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I'm going to say that again because some of you, it gets right about here and falls off. God richly provides us with everything for our misery. No, I'm sorry. I had a slip. God doesn't want you miserable. God richly provides you with everything for your enjoyment. You know why? Because God is good. Say it with me. God is good all the time. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better hear that today. God is good and he wants good for you. I came to preach today. I don't know if you came. I, I came to preach the word to you today. See, if I know that God is good, then I'm going to approach him. Jesus clarifies for us that our God is a good God and he wants good for us. And I see that in his teaching. The second thing I see is Jesus is teaching us that we should be confident in the place of prayer. We should be confident in the place of prayer. God is good and he will absolutely give good things to those who ask him. And if I believe that, it breeds confidence in the place of prayer. Now here's what Jesus knew about prayer. Successful prayer requires two things. A positive view of the one you're praying to. And second, confidence in his willingness to answer. Those two things, if either one of those are gone, you're not going to be a prayer. But if you know that the one you're going to is good and that he is willing to answer you, then man, you're going to be in the prayer closet and you're going to be pounding in heaven all the time. Hallelujah. This is good. Now, let me give you a little hypothetical. If you are uh, working for a man or a woman, either one, a boss, who has a reputation for never giving raises. They never give a raise. You have been told by every employee at the company, don't even bother, because if you go in and ask them, not only do they not give you a raise, but they kind of don't like it if you come and ask for a raise. You say, really? Oh, yeah, there's Bob and Sue and Carol, and look at all the people that went to them for a raise. Not one of them got a raise, and they, they, they got treated a little bit differently in a negative way once they went in and asked for a raise. Now, am I going to go ask anything from that person? No, because of what I believe about them. They are not givers. They don't give raises. They're not somebody who wants to bless me. So it's going to totally kill my desire to go to them. But God's reputation is the opposite. God's reputation is the opposite. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Come on, everyone. Now watch this. I will, I will, it shall be done. The leper went to Jesus and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus touched him and said, I will. 
If you believe that God is good, and if you believe he gives raises, if you believe he blesses, then you're going to be a prayer. You're going to be a prayer. Why would you not go to God if you know that God is good and that he has beckoned to us, called to us, welcomed us to the place of prayer, saying, if you ask me, I'm going to do it. If you ask anything in my name, I'm going to do it. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you're going to ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done. 1 John 5.14 says this is the confidence, 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 confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the things we've requested. Now, do you hear there that prayer is not a hope so, perhaps so, maybe so proposition? Prayer is a no so, no so, no so, I know so, I know so. And how do I know? Because I know that my God is good. He can't give anything bad. He will not give anything bad to me. If I ask him for something good, he will, he will, it will be done. Now, I haven't been around a while. i got to balance this out, and I want you to hear me. Nothing takes the wind out of your sail of faith like a prayer not answered. Man, it just hits you in the gut. I prayed, I believe, God, you know, my faith was so high, my anticipation was so intense, but God didn't answer. I don't understand. I was naming it, claiming it, blabbing it, grabbing it. And it didn't happen. And you know what that ha- what happens when God doesn't answer a prayer if you're not careful is your faith can become scandalized. We can assume that God doesn't care or that God doesn't really answer. And our faith can become scandalized. You know what scandalized means? It's like somebody walking down a sidewalk and they don't see that ridge in the sidewalk and they're walking along and they're talking to somebody and they're not looking down and they trip and they fall. That's what's behind scandal, scandalized. You're walking along, and you don't see that little ridge in the sidewalk. Something hits your face sideways, something you're not expecting. You're let down. You have failed expectations, and you trip, and your faith is scandalized. And it's up to you when that happens whether you're going to get up again. It's up to you whether or not you're going to stand up again. There are people who have been walking along believing God was going to do something. They just knew it. They had the faith. Their faith level was high. The anticipation was intense. And it didn't happen. And when it didn't happen, boom, down they went. And there they are down there, and they're going, now, I don't understand. Where was God? I don't understand why God didn't answer that prayer. I just knew that it was real. And here comes the devil. He always attacks you when you have tripped. And he says to you when you're down. He says to you, see, God doesn't answer prayer. See, this is all a bunch of stuff. See, you shouldn't put your faith in God. You got to fight for yourself, fend for yourself. Come on, pick up your marbles and go home. Get out of that stupid church. Don't go into the prayer and quit reading the Bible because it didn't work. 
And there you are, you're down there. And it's up to you whether or not you're going to stand up again, rebuke the devil, and seek God for understanding. You can stay down, but you'll be miserable. And I know a lot of people that are down there and they haven't gotten up yet again. They're out of church, out of prayer, out of fellowship. And they're saying, God didn't work. No, 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 no. Let me give you some understanding today. What do you do with the reality of unanswered prayer? First, let me tell you, there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. God's going to answer you. He's going to answer yes, no, wait, or you got to be kidding me. You ever prayed one of those? <laughs> you, have, you almost hear God saying, you have got to be kidding me. But let's just make it real here. He'll either say yes, or he'll say no, or he'll say wait. But he will always answer you, yes, no, or wait. Now, I want to share with you two diamonds of truth about prayer that you need to understand today. Here's the first one. God retains discretionary power over how he answers our prayers. That went over huge. (laughs) I'm going to say it again. God retains discretionary power over how he answers our prayers. And I want to tell you, thank God that he does. Hear me carefully, God retains discretionary power over how he answers our prayers because we are imperfect, we are short-sighted, we are finite, we are limited in our understanding, and we are limited in our ability to communicate. If God gave us carte blanche, fail-safe, blank checkbook in the prayer closet, we would very quickly destroy ourselves and everybody and everyone around us. How many of you have ever prayed for something and to this day you thank God he didn't answer that prayer? Come on. If if God had given us a fail-safe covenant with prayer, you probably wouldn't be here. You'd be off in some $30 million mansion that you prayed for. Your money would be destroying you. What you ask God to give you would be destroying you. And many people in your orbit would already have been destroyed and would be a puff of smoke right now because they wronged you and you asked God to wipe them out. (laughs) Let me give you an illustration. We used to live in East Texas. In East Texas, there were no gun laws, and everybody had a gun. I had a shotgun. I had a 12-gauge shotgun, and I used it for poisonous snakes. Now, I'd go out, and I'd shoot these poisonous snakes to the glory of God. Felt like I was doing the will of God. Just felt like I was doing the will of God. And my son was a little guy back then, and uh, he would follow me around, and he'd see me shoot these poisonous snakes. And one day, my son looked up at Daddy and said, Daddy, can I have a shotgun just like you. Well, daddy was wiser, smarter, older, and understood his heart. He saw daddy 
shooting a shotgun, and he said, if he can, I can. Now, he was not wrong someday, but he was wrong then. So daddy said, you can have a gun. It's called a BB gun. But you can't have a shotgun until I have grown you up some. So I wait for certain things to give what my children have asked for. I wait for their maturity level to rise. I wait for their experience level to rise. I wait for a certain level of character before I can give them some of the things they want. If I give them everything they ask for, when they ask for it, the way they ask for it, I don't love them. They will destroy themselves. Now, you may think, well, I know what I want, and bless God, I'm mature enough to get what I'm asking for. But you're dealing with a God who is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. He sees all, knows all, has all power. He sees your maturity level right down to the millimeter. He knows what you can handle and what you can't. Now, there's nothing wrong with requesting, and often the request that stems from a desire... God has put in your heart, that desire is designed to be a part of what grows you up. So God says, I retain discretionary power over how I answer your prayer. God hears our prayers. He sees our hearts. He sizes up our level of spiritual maturity. He scans our surroundings and everything and everyone in them. And he answers us through his perfect wisdom. Always taking into account what is best for us, not necessarily what we think is best for us. Does God answer prayer? Absolutely. But he answers in his timing and he answers according to what he knows we can or cannot handle. Very important to understand that. So he said, well, I, I prayed for something and I named it and claimed it and I didn't get it. God retains discretionary power over how he answers your prayer. Now here's the second diamond of truth about prayer. Please get this with me now. A request for something we don't have and may never have without God is what makes prayer, prayer. Prayer is prayer because of a request. The request is what makes prayer, prayer. Let me make this more clear. Praise is not prayer. Witnessing for Jesus is not prayer. Worship is not prayer. It is a form of communication with God, but it's not prayer. Christian activities, coming to church, putting in your time is not prayer. One thing makes prayer prayer, and that is a request. You're going to God for something you don't have, and you're believing 
him to give it to you. It is prayer when we've got a need and we turn to God to meet that need. Now, why am I going into this? Because you can't say I went to church, so I prayed. You can't say I worshiped, so I prayed. What I'm trying to show you is don't miss out on the beauty and the power and the glory of real prayer because the request is what makes prayer prayer. And he said, if you ask for it, I'm going to give it to you. It may come through the filter of my will and my wisdom, but I'm going to answer your prayer. And so don't think that because you went to church or went and told somebody about Jesus, you prayed. I'm trying to say, get into the prayer closet and request from God. God answers requests. When I worship God like I did today and I love worshiping God, then that is a way that I come into the presence of God. When I praise him, that is one of the ways that I come into the presence of God and express my heart. But listen, it's when I request. It's when I, like last night, I was studying this and I said, you know, uh, studying it made me so hungry just to get with God and request. And it stayed with me all night, stayed with me into the morning. So I I closed my Bible last night and said, well, I'm going to practice what I'm about to preach tomorrow. And I went into the presence of God and I said, I'm requesting I'm asking you to move tomorrow. I'm asking you to bless our church. I walk in and was given $28,000. What did I pray for last night? I said, Lord, I'm serious. I'm not embellishing. I am not evangelistically speaking. I said, Lord, please, we need powerful financial blessing. I walked in. $28,000, God did it, and God, somebody gave me a pulpit. All around me, the blessings are falling. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is don't let praise or worship take the place of the request. Get in there and ask God for things. Are y'all hearing me? Are you really hearing me? Say with me, the request is what makes prayer prayer. God, God beckons us to pray. Jesus said anything and everything can be brought to God who is moved by a request from his children. How much does it move you when your children, especially if you've got little ones, especially a little girl, daddy. I so want that little doll. How long do you last, Dad? How long do you last? Please, Daddy. They get in your lap, pull the newspaper down, look you in the eye. Please, Daddy, can I have that little doll? Oh, I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to do if I can't get that little doll. Please, Daddy, Susie has one and Jill has one. Can I have one? I don't know about you. I'm cooked. I'm done. It's the power of the request. Now, Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, say with me, how much more shall your Father in heaven give good things? If you then being evil can do it, your Father in heaven who only does good things will give to you what you have asked for, though it goes through the filter of his wisdom and his knowledge of you. 
Jesus taught that God is moved, not manipulated by, but moved by the power of your request. James said, you have not because you ask not. So what am I saying today? Get in the prayer closet and start asking. Get in there and start asking. You have not because you ask not. We say if you don't vote, don't complain. I say if you don't pray, don't complain. Because you have not because you ask not. Can you stand with me today? And I want you to say this with me in summary. God is not evil. He is good. He wants to answer prayer. So we are confident. He retains discretionary power over how he answers. And the request is what makes prayer prayer. What do you want? What would you love for God to do for you? Can you think of at least one thing? Let's thank him for his goodness. Father, we just thank you right now for the goodness of God. You're a good God and you are not evil. We thank you, Lord, that you're a prayer answering God, so we're confident. We thank you, Lord, that you will not give us what will hurt us. It moves through your discretion. We thank you, Lord God, that we can ask boldly because you are moved by the request. In Jesus' name. Now, right before we go, I want you to take a minute.